This podcast is brought to you by A Hotel Life, an award-winning travel website and community founded by Ben Pundell. This episode features Melinda Stevens, Global Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller. Melinda Stevens, a huge, huge, huge welcome, the global editor of Condé Nast Traveller. Thank you so much for joining us on, on a Hotel Life Live. First and foremost, how are you and, and where are you? Because it looks beautiful. So I'm in London. I'm in West London in Acton. You're in West London with your, with your husband and, and kids? Yes. How's the homeschooling going? The homeschooling is the shit. <laughs> uh, I, I just, it's, you listen, my 16-year-old is doing her own thing. My 12-year-old could not be happier to be in quarantine. From the first day she went to nursery, she was not a fan of school, so she's oh. living her best life. Do I have any control over her workload? No. And my 10-year-old my is, is great. And from my point of view, being at home with my kids, it's like a delight. Right. I'm looking outside into my to my garden and I'm falling in love with nature as we all are in this very precise way. And then I'm looking up and I'm seeing my kids' faces. And as a working mom, it's just w- what a precious time this is. My 16-year-old is ready to dig a hole out of here, kind of great escape style. There are various stages of quarantine and it does very strange things to us all. Yeah, I meant to do a million things. I haven't done any of them, but I'm giving myself a break. Of course, of course you have to. What's going on professionally? Because a lot of the industry is, has shut down, but but you haven't. Oh, Ben, it's such a weird time, right? Because, you know, when did, when did I become travel editor of Condé Nast Travel? UK, UK was about seven years ago. And it was always a job that I wanted in, most in the world. I fell in love with the idea of travel journalism on, on day one, another job. And then I realized I wanted to be on the, the editor of Condé Nast Travel on day two of that job. Um, and I love it. But in dark moments, in bad moments, I've thought to myself, you know, when you boil it down, and I always have this fight with my photographic director when he's antsy with me, he's like, like I'm passionate about my job. And I care so much about it. And he's like, you know, it's too much because what you're really doing is like selling holidays to, to you know, house, you know, housewives and mistakes. And sometimes I feel like that too. Like we're, we're pushing a holiday. And then last year I went through a really, really bad, bad time of it because I traveled a lot to big places and big cities and then small places and small towns. And the over-tourism thing was right. just out of control. And I'm not even talking about Venice or New York or London. I'm talking about Strasbourg and Heidelberg and tiny little villages where I just thought the, the, the soul has been ripped out of these places because they're here for tourists. The business here is here for tourists and it's got nothing to do with the soul of the place anymore. And then I really worried about what my, you know, I questioned my role in that. However, it's a small role, but I questioned my role and my role in it. And then in a week, you know, what's happened now and what's happened in this moment is we have realized, as everyone in this travel industry knows, just how far our tentacles reach to. The whole, the whole web of it, the whole connectivity part of it, and that, and that thing that we're all quoting a lot, which is, you know, one in 10 people in 
uh, around the world globally make their make their livelihoods right out of tourism so you're you're talking right down to the kind of you know to the maasai guide and the rickshaw driver in thailand and the doorman of you know some hotel in mumbai and so that so we started what even before just before we we were hanging on in the office to the last minute we were hanging on because it's a collaborative thing and I love working with pictures and I love working with words and that needs to happen together and we all work together and the team is, is tight and strong. So we held on to the last minute and then it was just like, okay, we've got to shut down. But even at that point, we had started sending out these emails saying exactly that, one in 10. And we came up with this list of, of questions all about, it was basically me wanting to reach out to the industry and that we would shine a light on these these industry power players or industry bigwigs or independent hoteliers or conservationists or um, or barmen or whoever it is or advertisers or supporters or fashion brands or we we, we sent this we started sending these twenty one questions out all about them basically opening up their address books right. to these other businesses big and small. Right, we put it like like love letters, basically. And now the response from that Ben has been like nuts. We have hundreds, I would say hundreds, if not thousands, of these answers from people, which they just uh, it's so great because they're like you know big power players who aren't even talking you know like normally when you meet when uh, you meet a big power player that there's the lens of their PR and their PR what you know mm-hmm. you need to talk about the big news cities you need to talk about. All of that guff is gone, and a lot, a lot of these people are just singing their praises, sometimes of their next-door neighbor or sometimes of their biggest competitor because their hearts are just open to it. So that's what, you know, today I'm trying to get that into some kind of order because then we're, we're linking up with all our travelers in China and the right. U.S. and Italy and the Middle East and Spain, India, and and all picking up on this initiative and then doing an issue which is called Under One Sky, basically. Amazing. Well, I, I just saw that our friend Tim joined from from Shanghai. So, yes, we, all, we are Under One Sky and it is Earth Day. And yes. it's ironic that we've all been sent to our rooms to think about what we've done. You are arguably one of the most influential people in the travel industry. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. So is that something you think about? Does that weigh on you? What are your thoughts on that? My feeling is it started for me in waves. Like I, I feel responsible for my office. Mm-hmm. I feel responsible to the title. Then you're you're responsible for your industry. Then mm-hmm. you start trying to be, you know, your responsibility for your freelancers. And then you're trying to use this time to really make sure that when we come out of this, all of these all of these things that we are seeing, right? Or I'm, I'm not even exact. I've always been in love with trees. So I'm obsessed by trees. I end up writing about trees a lot. I know nothing about trees. I'm just kind of in love with them. Now I'm falling in love with blades of glass. Now I'm falling in love with the robin in my garden. But like, for example, the biggest piece of traffic we have had in the UK, which is um, the animals taking over the cities, right? And all these fish who are going up the Venice canals and all these goats. It's incredible. And it's such a, um, it's such a joyful thing, this kind of, this invasion. Um, but do I, am I worried about, I'm worried that everyone can feel now 
how they should travel, like how they need to be thoughtful with their decisions. Absolutely. And how you need to and how important it is that when you spend money on travel that your bucks are going to places who are doing good things because mm-hmm. it's not just that um, it, it, it's either they're incredibly good with their staff. It's, it could be that they have an amazing biodiversity program. It may be that they look after, you know, they have great wildlife initiatives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be that they have, you know, really progressive relationships with their with their community. community yep. There are just so many people doing amazing things. So Juliet recently wrote for us this piece about Fogo Island in, in Newfoundland, mm-hmm. owned by an amazing woman. And, and on, they have an economic nutrition label much as you have on your packaged food. But do you think that dispels the magic a little bit? No, because I think what it's inspiring people to do or what's it's, it, the obligation for people to do is not just to pocket the money and run. It, 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 it's like you're, you're kind of lifting up because you're, you have to have something on the community. You have to make sure that the housekeeping and get what they deserve. And there has to be, in theory, a bigger circle who are being affected by your stay. And it's not that you're just getting a nice pan and drinking a delicious cocktail. Right, but I also believe that you have the... <laughs> responsibility i hope you don't mind me saying so you have the responsibility to keep people dreaming and that's what Condé Nast Travel has done so 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 very well for for such a long time and i think we all have a responsibility to highlight responsible sustainable local travel but at the same time it's our responsibility to bring the rest of the world to to uh, the the, the guest the consumer the reader so keeping people dreaming at a time like this is actually i think a service that we are both responsible for, you, you on, a, on a much, much larger scale. But, but the reason I started these live chats was just to kind of bring community together, keep people inspired by the people that would hopefully come, come and talk to me. So I do think that that is a big responsibility of, of yours and of people in the travel industry and certainly the, the publishing industry is to keep people dreaming. It's so funny because, again, in times like this, you have to be really careful about your use of words, right? So we had to go to press on a cover again just before we went into lockdown that I knew, that we knew that was going to come out six weeks later or five weeks later. So you're having to project forward what is going to be a sensitive way of handling this. What words conceivably, right? You have to think about your words in a much more holistic fashion. So the the cover line we eventually went with, I, I... I laughed about my art director. I said, how many covers did we go through with that? He said, he showed me 130. It was really hard. But the words on that we had were looking forward, right? So that 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 worked. But an interesting side note to this on the word dream, right? We thought that's a big part of what we do is dream. And, and people should dream. We should take people away from this. And maybe, and I've thought about this a lot, we got it wrong because it was actually a pushing of sales on the magazine. So we had a subscription offer that was going out and we put attached that single word to it, which was dream. And that ad went out across websites of GQ and Wired and a ton of other places, not just ours. And people really kicked back on it. Interesting. Is it because we were saying dream for, for £12? I, I don't think it was <clears throat> underhand and I don't think the message was mixed. But it's interesting, the notion of dreaming is so important right now. The word dreaming has become slightly barbed for me because it does, it does that sound like you're being in, literally insensitive to the, to the sirens that are outside your window. So any kind of dream right now seems so far from the reality that a lot of people are, are yeah. living. I was skimming around the, the, the Conan Ash Traveller 
online content. And I think it's, it's, it's razor sharp. You're addressing things like 10 lifelong habits to adopt in lockdown, which I thought was brilliant, by the way. Coupled with that was another piece called The Accidental Hotelier about somebody who over the, uh, over the years had turned their land and passion into, into a hotel in, uh, I believe it was Umbria. And I love yeah. this razor sharp, razor sharp focus and how, how then the, the hotel industry may diversify post-corona. But I think the focus you have on that content is terrific. And it's what people want and need in their homes right now, because it gives it gives a taste of reality, but also a little sense of hope and inspiration. And, and, and again, I believe that is your job and one that you do really well. So my question is, how do you decide on those topics? And then where do you get your inspiration from it? The, the un- I think you're talking about, we... I have a passion for hoteliers who aren't really hoteliers because in the US, they, you know, Jesse just wrote his headline was the unhotelier hotelier. And it's people who have not, they haven't started out wanting to be a hotelier. It's not their main line of business, but they do it because they have somewhere that they love so much and they see what they're doing is so special and they can invite people into that environment. Now, often those people tend to be, I think you're talking about Castello del Rescue in, in Umbria, which is the, the, the most yeah. gorgeous estate. It, it's, it, you can't even believe it. It's like, it's like out of a dream in Umbria. It's like little fortresses on top of hills and fields and fields of poppies. One day when I was staying there, I just, just before the taxi came, I just had to, to take us back to the airport. I, I had to go running, and I, I'm not a runner, running in these fields of poppies. But they, those guys there have spent decades turning this whole estate in these different buildings into different houses and villas and small restaurants and riding stables, etc. And then in the centre, there's like this 11th century fort. It's like something from Game of Thrones. It's astonishing. So much love and care because here's my point. If someone goes into a hotel because they're think, thinking of the bottom line, then you're going to cut corners right. and it's done for a business reason. Now, I'm not taking away from those hoteliers, but I'm saying the ones that for me that can be really exceptional for people who don't want to cut any corner, who, who are doing it out of passion and love and desire. Because it reminds me of another... Another expression we use at Traveller, which I think is a good one in the hotel business, it used it was it was in Anguilla. So I walked into this hotel in the Caribbean, and I'd never ever seen anything like it. There were these massive kind of driftwood sculptures and extraordinary um, kind of big windows. And sounds all wrong. I can't tell you how beautiful it was. When you went into reception, there was one long sofa that just snaked on for miles and miles. That was black leather. It was the coolest, funkiest, most amazing place. But we coined the expression of whatever the budget was, Kelly blew it. Right. So that's, that's the expression we use. Whatever the budget was, Kelly blew it. And that, that means hotels by people who just adore what they're doing. And that makes for something very special. One of the silver linings I think that comes from this is that for, for the travel industry and certainly the hotel industry to succeed in a post-corona world, this sense of hospitality and service is going to have to be better than ever. And surely that is then a silver lining for those guests at the hotels. Obviously, there's going to be a period of uh, somewhat regimented health and wellness inspections. But I think then beyond that, those people that are going to to succeed are the ones that offer 
uh, great experience and service better than they ever have done. And I think that's a real silver lining. This was happening anyway. You know this already. Right. That people were were ready to relinquish their their thread counts for proper experiences. And, you know, and when I when I was growing up and when I was first traveling with my dad and my stepmom, I never knew the name of a hotel. It was never about the name of a hotel. It was about being under canvas in the middle of the Mara. And it was having a bucket shower and it was, a, you know, an elephant coming, you know, through the camp at night and, you know, can't pretend it wasn't beautiful, but the 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 elements of it would be conceived as basic. But I think that's, that's representative. You know, people want to, you know, love places for their difference, right? And love places for the adventure, love mm-hmm. places for exploring, and love mm-hmm. places for the people and the connection. I hope less pictures, and I'm so guilty of it myself, but less, you know, posting on my shitty Instagram account and more mm-hmm. the bad pictures in the videos that I can't get working, not because I don't love Instagram, but more just getting a bit dirty, hands dirty, mm-hmm. you know, literally and metaphorically. Pay more attention, take less pictures. That's a mantra in the post-corona world. I think that's that's very yeah. true. One thing I do want to talk about is that I'm sure you're very familiar with travel and fashion photographer Peter Beard, who sadly left this world this week. Uh, he passed away, but what an icon. And he lived one hell of a life. My one and only Peter Beard stories. I'm yeah. standing outside the Shagwong in, um, in Montauk, and I was outside having a cigarette uh, when people smoke cigarettes. And Peter Beard came and, and he, he tried to chat on my girlfriend and, and asked me if I wanted to go back to his place for some face-numbing Drano. So he, <laughs> he, lived, he lived one hell of a life, Peter Beard. I, I had so much respect. I was very, uh, very upset to hear that he passed away this week, but yeah. what a life. And he what was probably one of, the, one of the first people to highlight the relationship between travel and fashion. Mostly <laughs> naked ladies. Mostly naked ladies. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't look too closely into into his <laughs> production. Uh, but um, uh, tra- travel and fashion has always had a symbiotic relationship. Um, why do you think that is, and where do you think that's that's heading? I think because so many fashion brands have travel in their in their DNA, and they you know they refer back or you know so much. So you know there are obvious examples like Louis Vuitton and their cases. Right, that was that was how the brand started. It's since all those ridiculously amazing bespoke cases that opened up in incredible, mm-hmm. it, you know, incredible. But even if you look at Chanel, you know, Chanel Coco's relationship with Scotland and all her tweeds and her ateliers there, and that proliferates. But whatever brand you can think of. I keep on thinking of this Michael Kors ad where there's a, I, I don't know if, even if it was a recent one or an old one, maybe the model was Carmen Cass and she, she's climbing out of her plane, you know, one of those seaplanes and she's on a jetty and it's got a lot of brands, a lot of fashion brands literally have inceptions and from a travel beginning, but also see travel as so much of their DNA. That's, I think, at the core. Well, I certainly hope that these brands will take the post-corona opportunity to connect and work with local communities as well as um, highlighting sustainable fashion. Fashion is having a really tough time in the same way that travel is having a really tough time. And fashion's, you know, fingers touch a zillion zillion different corners. And the the ateliers and the beadswomen and the craftswomen and the... Mm. 
all of those unbelievable, you know, and people like Hermes who have the un- unbelievable craftsmanship, etc. That that already, you know, has a a strong, potent um, community that I'm hoping also m- must and should, needs to survive. Moving on to another article. So, Cara Delevingne, Anna Winter. Yes, I've got to let my dog in because she keeps scratching at the door. She kees she keeps um. We love our She's furry friends. Bug it off now. If she comes back, I'll let her in. Okay. God, but can I, can I just say, the article yeah. was called Where Would They Eat Right Now? And I looked at that and I first thought, wow, how can there be an article with Cara Delevingne, Anna Wintour, a bunch of really high, heavy-hitting travel notables yes. with an article called Where Would They Eat Right Now? But then I realised the tone of the article was really aimed at being so supportive of the industry, so positive, keeping people dreaming. And, and, and I did a complete, a complete 180 after reading the second line. Just so you know that, Anna and Cara's answers, and we've got, that's what I'm talking about, the amazing answers that we've got out of everyone. That's out of one in 10 people make their, that's out of the yes. 21 questions initiative. Very supportive of the industry. That is about people opening up their their address books and of course you you know your question is what validity will celebrity have going forward and my point is is these people have these amazing address books right these these Mm -hmm. address books from over the world and that's what they're opening up they're giving us their addresses so then the reader the user is picking up on all these addresses and and you know bookmarking that for later but what you're pointing out to me again my god and ben if you've known how many times we've rephrase these things that's the question of us not phrasing it right again i thought it was great because it, it really showed a lot of support for for for, for hospitality for travel and yeah. for and it kind of encouraged people like one day this is going to be over go and spend some money in the place that you like best and, and go and support the community and your industry and i thought i actually thought it was great but what do you think about the larger role of celebrity culture post corona Listen, there were people, I don't know if you're watching that lovely actor on Instagram who I'm obsessed with called Leslie. He's having a completely, he's having a mad moment because he keeps on doing, oh, I'll send it to you afterwards. You'll, you'll know exactly the actor's got the most, he's from Tennessee, I think, and he's got the most extraordinary, <laughs> wonderful voice. And he's just giving these kind of ad-libbing, these stories on Instagram. He's having a massive moment. There's lots of people on Instagram, celebrities, who's showing their big houses and their, you know, silly shoes, uh, you know, going down the tubes. Listen, I have three daughters. One doesn't really give a crap about celebrity. Second one, totally zany about celebrity. It's been such a force for such a long time, right? It feels like... It's not going uh, anywhere. But but the point about the 21 questions, and I this sounds really grand, but I'm trying to make it like a choir of voices. <laughs> so the doorman, the rickshaw driver, so there's some of our loveliest writers. Then we've got proper novelists who have just been so generous with their piece, Sebastian Fulks and mm. Myung Chang and David Sedaris. And then in the mix, and you've got the hoteliers and you've got the restaurant owners. And then in the mix, you've also got the celebrities or as you know, Jesse says in the US, which is probably more subtly, so the bulls faced name. So I don't know whether you say that. They're all part of the mix. But yeah, probably to, to draw people in. And also if you look at Instagram, it's hilarious. We've done so many things on Instagram. A friend of mine who's, again, a writer who got coronavirus early on and has been in his room for the last month in Miami. And it's an amazing story about him. Uh, this He's looking out on South Beach 
watching all the, you know, all the kids kissing each other on spring break, then them all disappearing, then the boats coming in and them disappearing, and then the sharks coming back. This is on Miami. This is on South Beach. Wow. And then the pelican. So it's this unbelievable story in a nutshell out of his window. We posted that on Instagram. The story, you know, was this long. But people only looked at the picture. So everyone goes, my point is that you can deliver um, the best story you want in the, you know, in the best possible way. But people get caught up in, a, you know, a different element of it, depending on your platform. But you definitely have the influence to guide the conversation with certain people. And, it, and, you're, doing, and you're doing that already, which is, which is great. And I think those that don't adapt won't be yes. relevant or they're going to look a little foolish in, in, you yes. know, in a couple of months' time. Again, just so we were reflecting on your question, is, and this, this bothers me, and I wrote about it in my editor's letter this month in the UK, is last year I had this ask going and I had to wait 10 days for the result, right? One of them would have been totally normal that I could have dealt with and one of them would have been really bad. For 10 days, right, I, when you are, and I'm a very dramatic person, and I'm a massive hypochondriac, sorry, for the story took the dark turn. But the point was, this is the last time I'll see this tree ablaze in these awesome colours. Oh, you know, realising what I held, what was important, um, looking at nature in a different way. I can't, you know, every living breath was made making good decisions. Like, if I came out of this, who I would be as a person, right? And then... I got the result, and it was the nicer option of the two, easily Good. Fixed. Good. So sorry, I, I should really be less self-dramatizingly. But the point was, for 10 days, I did feel like that. I felt like I'd been cleansed of all my, all the things I didn't even know I had, but maybe the greed or jealousy or, right. or ego. I felt like it felt completely. And then 10 days later, that all went. My story in these times is I need to be really fast on, on making sure that we adhere to these principles. We all need Absolutely. to be really dedicated to this stuff going forward. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether we make mistakes. It doesn't matter if we don't get it all right. But make sure that we're trying to hold on to that being a, like a, being a good guy in this. This idea of facing ourselves in quarantine. So this whole idea of facing your ego in quarantine, you yeah. know, because... A lot of us are on similar playing fields. I'm certainly not going to say that we're all on the same playing field because, because we're not. And a lot of people are suffering. But, but you know, you've got the, the late night TV pundits using the same technology as you and I right now. And everybody is at home, wherever that may be, thinking about themselves and their life and their ego and their issues and their relationships and whether I'm a good husband or father or son or, or, or what have you. And I think it's... Uh, that's that's another silver lining, I think. I have an amazing life. I have such a lucky life. But there, I was already, again, for maybe the last three or four years, I was bothered about being more or celebrating more, supporting more. You know, that's, that's the thing I feel really charged up by now. Mm. And I think there are many of us who want to be better people and make better decisions and i long for traveling to be the place where we don't you don't have to proselytize and you don't have to wag a finger and not every single place that we write about is going to be um hit every mark on community mm -hmm. sustainability but something 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 so that we're shining light on the right people 
if we keep doing that and we all feel like that, then that's a powerful place. I just, they're, they're just, you know, there are good, good guys and bad guys on a macro scale in this. God knows where any of us will be, but the, you know, there's money pouring out of every business we can possibly think of. And that's scary too, because at mm-hmm. the end of it, or conceivably as we raggedly come out of this, people will be wanting to make as much money as they possibly can fast mm-hmm. to shore up everything they've lost. That, so that's a concern. But then I think all we can do is is the best we can with what we have. And what you have is an enormous amount of influence. And you've also got the right mindset. And I mean, there's a lot of people watching this and a lot of people that have been watching other things you've been doing. I've, I've noticing that know you're on the right track. We're all kind of expecting and wanting you to give us all a little direction. So it's really refreshing to know that your mind's in the, in the right place. You know, there are, there are challenges in this, Ben. You know, of you're course. part business system you're part of you know you're part of a big structure you're part of a i was going to say a many stranded bowl of spaghetti Mm -hmm. yeah and it changes daily so there's there's actually no way of really keeping up with what's 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 going on i don't know one day from the next Nancy and i say well look let's just do this day by day yeah day by day right i mean my husband's going mad because my he's he is tending to things and mending things and uh, saving things. And I am spray painting things and tie-dyeing things and generally making a mess. Just literally whilst we were sitting, he just sent me a, a picture of like this whole house is really beautiful because he, he, he is the tidier. I mean, he works like a dog, but he's also fully hoovering and cleaning and fixing and mending and he just sent me a picture of my clothes in the corner of the room and it was just this unseemly pile of it was like a kind of you know when you go to Africa and you feel there's those termite mounds he sent you a picture of your clothes in a park while we've been talking you are yeah while we've been to oof that's you a tough one he doesn't necessarily know I'm doing but hmm and I've just got this termite mounds of clothes I know it's all day by day. So have you switched to life online or, or digital or digital detox or, or a bit of both? I'm actually going to start before I let you answer. I have been dancing with Ryan Heffington and he's absolutely brilliant. And, and, and a 10 minute dance session with him will lift your spirits. And he kind of encourages you to to dress up and, and, and just have a, have a bit of a dance. So I have a friend called Joe Manukian who also does dance classes. So I, on Friday mornings, you'll find me doing a kind of slightly dilapidated dance to like salt and pepper. A lot of the time I am, I'm, there's a rose that's come out in my garden. I'm so sorry, but also there's something really sensory, right? About I just, every time I smell a rose, I'm transported and I think of my dad. So I'm doing a, a what I feel like, what happens on Zoom the whole time, and I'm spend my whole life on Zoom, as I'm sure you do, is I feel like I'm t- talking, like it's taking like 20% extra energy from here. So, yeah, but having said that, I've quit with, with a great group of friends. We have a quiz night on Friday night. All, there's like 10 of us in 10 different places, and that's a hoot. Brilliant. Quiz night, like that. We, we've got our second uh, talent show this Friday with some friends around the world. A Zoom talent show. I highly recommend it. I highly, highly recommend it. So there's all sorts of kind of poetry being written and, and synchronized dance routines and all. all I can sorts. guarantee. Well, I just don't know whether I've got the material that I need to perform for you. But I did once do this in a talent show, 
I can play um, with two recorders. It sounds strange. It is strange. Two recorders through my nose, hot cross buns. Don't tell me that you don't have two recorders right now. That's my concern. No, come on. And then I'm not going to be able to deliver on that, which is probably better for all concerned. Melinda, I'm going to send you two recorders. Would you promise to get back on and play hot cross buns through your nose with two recorders? I have to come fully offline so I can go into a deep dive on my on honing that talent. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Melinda, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time. Uh, really insightful, really enjoyable. And um, I hope that we get to meet in person in the not so distant future because I think uh, I think we would we would have some fun. I can't play the recorder. I can't really play anything, but I can certainly you know give it a go on the triangle or something perfect let's get you on the triangle me and the recorder and let's get serena to come along as well and i look forward to it thank you so much for having me this podcast is brought to you by a hotel life an award-winning travel website and community founded by ben pundle this episode features melinda stevens global editor-in-chief of conde nast traveler 